Hallelujah. Can we give our praise to our God? Let's lift up our hands. Let's not just lift up our hands. Let's lift up our, 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 our praise. Let's lift up ourselves as a living sacrifice. Amen. Go ahead and lift up your hallelujahs to him in Jesus' name. Glory to that name. I lift up blessing. As I lift up my hands, I bless that name that's above all other names, Lord God. As I lift up my voice, I lift up honor to you, Lord God, and glory, Lord Jesus. Come on, lift up that glory to him. Hallelujah. Lift up the power. Go ahead and cry out that name of Jesus. Come on, that victory you've been looking for. Shout out Jesus. Come on, hallelujah, Lord. I feel the anointing in this place. Just go ahead and respond to your God by just crying out that name, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, my God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. We serve a good God, don't we? Just the other night when we were... Uh, we get we get a good view of the highway, and there was a bunch. There must have been an accident or something like that. And there was there was a first responder, there was a second responder, there was a third responder. And my wife said, "That's not the first responder anymore. That's the fourth responder." But I just it just made me think about, you know, when you call nine one one, what do you expect? You expect a response, don't you? When you call out the name of Jesus, what do you expect? Don't you expect a response? Come on, he comes to you when you need it, amen? When you are in need, even more so, we don't need to dial 911. We just need to shout out that name of Jesus, amen? Can we do that right now? Let's shout out that name of Jesus. Somebody needs to dial 911 spiritually tonight by just crying out that name of Jesus. Can we just do that, hallelujah, before we get into preaching and teaching and learning and praising? Come on, shout out that name of Jesus right now. You need something right now spiritually. You need a touch from your God, from your Father in heaven. Shout out that name, Abba Father. Abba Father, my dad, I need you right now. Lord God, I need a response tonight from your spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. We serve such a mighty God, don't we? Don't we? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Um, hey, why don't you grab your Bible since you're all standing here wondering what you should do next. Let's do it. Grab your Bibles. Go to, go to the mighty book of Jude, chapter 1. Because you don't want to go to any other chapter. Chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, if you'd indulge the word of God with me this, this evening. And if we could stand for the reading of the word for our judge, I, I want to read this for us. I'm going to read it in the King James Version, and then I'm going to grab a couple other versions. Um, it says, And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. I want you to keep your finger right there on verse 22 and verse 23. I'm going to read from the message first, okay? And then I'm going to read from the amplified version. And the message says it like this, go easy on those who hesitate in the faith. I don't know about you, but that speaks, that should speak to us as Christians. Go easy on those that hesitate in the faith. Go after those who take the wrong way. Be tender with sinners, but not soft on sin. Can I get a hallelujah? The sin itself stinks to high heaven. 
I love the phrases the message gives, but you know what? It paints a picture in your mind, doesn't it? The Amplified Version says this: these two verses, and have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of fear. And on some have mercy, but with fear. Loathing even the clothing spotted and polluted by their shameless and immoral freedom. See, Jude had a message for the church. And it was an important message. I want us to grab a hold of that tonight because today is an anniversary of sorts. This is the birthday of the church. If there's one thing we can celebrate, it's that we have a church, amen? That we're part of something bigger than ourselves. Hallelujah. I'm excited about what Jesus started. I want to take it all the way to the finish line because that's the job he put in each of our hands here tonight. Jude has some messages for us, and I'm going to have you sit here in just a minute, but I want, us to, I want to say one thing here before we move on. Jude's overriding concern was to, to have every single one of us contend earnestly for the faith that was once entrusted to each and every single one of us. Entrusted. Look to your neighbor and say entrusted. God trusted us with the word of God. Jude spoke of false teachings, false readings, and he was speaking about people who questioned the faith. He was speaking to people that were leaving the faith, and he was speaking to people that didn't understand the faith. I want us to pray here tonight together as a church because I want us to keep what Jude's message was in line with Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. He who winneth souls is wise. In Jesus' name. Matthew 10, 16, and then we're going to pray. And I'll, I'll go through these again so you can write them down because I know some of you are good note takers. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Somebody raise their hand and ask the Lord for some help. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Can we just go to our God here tonight? Lift up your hands, lift up your voice, lift up your prayers. You need something tonight. Some of you came needing something. I want you to just go ahead and lift that need to him tonight. Be sensitive to that spirit. Lord God, I need you here tonight. I need you. The church needs you. I need to be part of the church, Lord God. As we pray tonight, Lord, help me to hear the message that you gave Jude. And Lord, apply it to my church, to my life, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Lord, I want to love what you gave me. I want to take what you trusted me with. And I want to take it all the way to the finish line. I want to do what I can to be an emergency response lifesaver. I want to save some lives, save some souls with whatever I can do. In the name of Jesus, help us to be sensitive to your word tonight to hear what it is that you have for us. And Lord, give me the strength to respond boldly, Lord God, to what you ask tonight in Jesus' name. Can we give God a hallelujah? Can we give God some thanks? Come on, hallelujah. Let's let forth a mighty wind. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, my Jesus. Bless that wonderful name. Come on, let out that holy hallelujah. That mighty rushing wind, it filled that upper room. Come on, let's let it fill us here tonight in Jesus' name. Bless that holy God in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Hallelujah. I want to speak to us tonight, not just so you can hear my voice. I do understand that 
Sister Mom here went short on songs, which that allows me to go long on preaching. I think that's what the rule is, right? I would say luck would have it, but I would say that the Spirit has destined it. I have an extra page of notes tonight. Something's in line. Hallelujah, somebody said. No, no, I saw some people just leave. Oh, my goodness. So I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not going to actually go that long. Hallelujah. Uh, But... uh, how many of you are so thankful that you have a church? Oh, yeah. Amen. I know. How many of you know some people that have church at home? Oh, yeah. I can have church at home. Yeah. That that preaching on the TV. I, I can I can plug in with people. I don't have to have a home church. I, I've talked with some people that say we're church hoppers. There's a group of us church hoppers, and we like to visit churches and get together and share what happens. And let me tell you, there is power in being planted. Growing roots, amen. I've had men of God try to tell me that, hey, you need to, you need to think about your future in the, in, in the movement. You need to think about your future in, in what, what God wants for you. And let me tell you, God wants me to stay planted. God wants me to stay where I'm at, and he's spoken to me about that, church. And you may look around sometimes and say, where have all the people gone? Where have all the souls gone? You may think that, that, that why isn't this church bigger than it should be? But let me tell you, in Acts chapter 19, there was 12. 12. Acts chapter 19 in Ephesus, when, when, Paul, when Paul had a mighty meeting in the movement of God, 12. And that spoke to me. Hallelujah. You don't need 50 to 1,000 people in church. I sometimes think that church is the perfect size when it's about 25. That's getting a little big, though, isn't it? I know you laugh at me because it's, you know, it's good to have many people, isn't it? I'm not saying that we should be tiny and small, but there's an impact on lives on a personal level. That's what Jesus wanted. How many people did he impact? Thousands, right? But how many stuck with him? How many stuck with him, right? In the upper room, and I just want to mention here today, you know me, I love that revival's happening. And I want to say, I want you to catch that same revival with me tonight, amen? And we need to celebrate this wonderful day of Pentecost. It's not just a day on the calendar, people. It's not just a day on the calendar. It is the birth. Say birth. Birth. It's my birthday. How many of you were excited on your birthday? Amen. How many of you told your parents, listen, my birthday's coming, notice, okay? Take note, my birthday's coming, I have a list. Anybody did that? I got my Lego catalog out, Sister Bebout, and I circled the ones I wanted and said, Mom, check these out. Wink, wink. It's August. Wink, wink. And my dad laughed at me and said, yeah, do you see the price on those? That's not happening. And I walked away with hope still because I'm a child. Listen, it's our birthday. It's our birthday today. Get that childlike excitement, amen? It's our birthday today. The church began, amen? Celebrate that. Live that every day. Amen? It's time for us to carry the torch home. Hallelujah. And as we carry the torch home, expect revival in your homes. Expect revival in your communities, on your street, in your house, in your community center near you, in your church. Wherever you go, expect revival. Hallelujah.
Tonight I want to talk about lifesavers because that's what the church has meant for. Jesus said that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Do we have a different mission? Did God update the gospel? He gave us the same exact mission, didn't he? The same exact one. Our God is nothing but consistent, isn't he? He is not changing, and I love that about him. Tonight, we need to realize, and I want to come back to what Jude said here, and we're going to talk about him over and over again here. It is not sin to have questions about your faith. It is not sin to have questions about your faith, but those who do must be treated gently, gently, with kindness and love. I want to test, I want to, I don't want to testify, it's really more of a, it's more of a, um, what do you say it when you admit something? Oh, could that's the word, confession. I'm a math teacher, so the words don't flow as well. The numbers do, amen. Uh, but I want to just confess something. I was having a Bible study with somebody many, many years ago, at least 10 years ago. And I was young, I was on fire for the Lord, and I had all the answers. That's what I thought. And this, this young man, he had questions. He had questions about his faith. He had questions about the scriptures. And at times, I had the approach of debating that topic with him, as opposed to handling his questions gently and with kindness and with love. Can I get an amen? We handle our babies with care, don't we? We handle those that come in with care. I'm saying the same thing about people who are seasoned in their faith with God. We've all seen it happen once in a while where somebody in the faith, 20 years strong in the Lord, for some reason decided, you know what? There's a little bit of snow out there. I don't think I can make it today. There's a, you know, I just, don't, I just feel tired today. I don't know if church is right for me today. And that one day turns into several weeks, into months, into years. And you wonder, what in the world happened to my brother? What in the world happened to my sister? Have you been there? Have you seen that? Does it fill you with pain? It should tug at your heart. It should hurt you deeply because that's your brother. That's your sister. That's a soul that we need to bring back. We need to save a life, amen? Amen. We need to be like those emergency response units that run to the scene of, I was going to say crime, but the scene of something that needs to be fixed, amen? Amen. Every Christian who serves the Lord at some time in his life enters a frightening precinct of doubt. Traveling rapidly down righteous road of Christian experience, it is quite concerning, disconcerting to round a curve and find yourself haunted by a tale of doubt. Every road that we walk down, even if it's straight and narrow sometimes, is going to lead through experience of doubt. You're a human. Pinch yourself just to be sure. You're going to feel something. You are, I said yourself, you are a human. You're going to experience doubt even on the road that is straight and narrow. You're going to doubt what God is taking you through. You're going to doubt, what are you doing, Lord? Listen to me, though. Hey, church, it's part of the experience. It's part of the travel. It's part of the journey that God is putting us on. We are human, and the one thing that's going to unite, not unite us, but we have in common is that we have doubt. 
Ideally, doubt does not exist in the land of faith. But you know what? Even the faithful have some doubt. Even the faithful have doubt. Read your Bible. You're going to find Abraham doubting God. Why do you think he listened to his wife that day and said, okay, Hagar, let's make a kid the way that uh, God didn't want us to. There was doubt. But yet, who's the father of the faithful? Abraham. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. I could go on and on and on, but listen, doubt is going to happen. We need to learn as a Christian, as a father in the Lord to somebody, as a mother in the Lord to somebody, as a mentor, how am I going to help that questioning soul? That questioning soul that says, what is up with this Trinity thing? I can't find it in the scriptures. Or maybe they're saying, hey, I came from a Trinitarian background, and you guys don't talk like that. What's going on? I don't understand. This is, every, this is everything against what I believe in. Now's not the time to pull your fangs back and, and, just, and just drag them and draw and quarter them. Love. Amen. Love. Doubt helps to establish faith a lot of times. Because you've got to learn how to deal with this emotion that you're going through. Even seeing isn't believing sometimes. The world likes to say that seeing is believing, but even then, you just can't believe your eyes sometimes. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 and 17. I might point out that this is the end of Matthew. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. How in the world? This is right before verse 28, 19, where God says, good job, disciples, go out and win the world. Some doubted him. How in the world do you as a disciple think to yourself, I'm just not sure if this is right. I'm just not sure this is the guy. I'm just not sure what's happening here. I don't know about you, but I think to myself, I see a guy who got nailed to a cross. I see him back up and running around. And I, I see him... Yeah, doing miracles for 50 days. I'm 40 days after. I'm wondering what's going on here. Even these men of God doubted, it says. Jude 22, verse one, chapter 1. The NIV says, be merciful to those who doubt. Be merciful. You know what mercy is? It's love. I think to that Psalms that says his mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. Almost every single verse, Marissa, his mercy endureth forever. Be merciful, be loving to those that have some doubt. To your brother that's wavering in the faith. If you're a young person, you're going to experience this once in your life. You're going to have somebody you brought to Christ, and you're going to experience the, the wonderful joys of praying them through the Holy Ghost, and you're going to Experience the dashing, terrible, rotten pit in your stomach of them walking away from God. Of them questioning whether God is real or not. Or that person that you grew up with for many years in the church, you're going you're gonna to hear them one day ask, I'm just not sure about this, this God thing. And you're going to ask yourself, what did this come from? And you're going to want to reach across the table and slap them and say, get yourself right. 
Jude says, be merciful to those that doubt. Be merciful to that, that brother that's doubting. <clears throat> In Jesus' name. I'm talking about keeping this church alive. Hallelujah. Keeping this movement going, amen. Keeping this thing that God put in your life moving, amen. You got to hold on to that hope, amen. Wrestling with these eternal questions. There's another man named Habakkuk, the greatest spelt name, it seems, in all of the books of the Bible, right, Sister Bebel? An extra K, just in case. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, Habakkuk struggled to understand why God did the things that he was doing. He said, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear me, even cry unto thee of violence, and you're not going to save? He kept on going, why do you show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there there are they that raise up strife and contention. And he kept on going. Therefore the law is slacked and the judgment does go on forever. This is a man who's broken. He says, why aren't you listening to my prayers? I've prayed for my, you reinstate my country. Reinstate my nation to its greatness, Lord. Spare them from terrible rottenness. He had to witness Babylon destroy his nation. And he wondered to himself, why in the world are you letting a terrible, rotten, pagan nation carry out judgment on your people. Can you imagine what was going through that prophet's mind? The pro- a prophet, a preacher, a man of God saying, why aren't you listening, Lord? My people, your people. Come on, is somebody with me tonight? When God stated he would use that, I know that he was wondering that. But consider the outcome of Habakkuk. What happened because of this struggle of doubt that happened in Habakkuk's mind? He was wrestling in his faith with God. This process that Habakkuk went through, he went from doubt to faith. I, I picture Brother Nubel when he came and, he, and he, he shared a testimony of, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. And he went through a testimony of his wife dying, of him getting cancer, of him losing people, of him getting uh, more and more sickness. Yet ye slay me, I will praise him. Yet he slay me, I will praise him. And he went through a period of doubt. But let me tell you, doubt is going to make you stronger. As long as you take that doubt to the right place. Misery loves company. You take that doubt and you hang out with people on 3rd Street. You take that doubt and you go hang out with people at your workplace and you just hang out in a a pit of depression. You're not going to fix that doubt. That doubt's going to form you. That doubt's going to form you instead of taking that doubt to your God and letting God form you with that doubt to the point where you are strong in your faith. You know, the strongest people in their faith are the people that doubted the most. I believe that 100%. I am a big believer in learn things the hard way. Or just listen to the people who went through it before you. That is the, that's the more efficient way of learning. Amen. Listen to those that messed up before you and don't do that. But there is still a power in learning things the hard way. 
And some of you here tonight have learned some things the hard way. I know it. But now is the time in your faith to take those learnings and hold fast to God's unchanging hand. Amen? At the end of Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 through 19, you see Habakkuk's change. His countenance is completely different. He says, although the fig tree won't blossom, and neither the fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive will fail, the fields will yield no meat, the flock will be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet, verse 18, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Listen to the preacher. This is the same preacher in chapter 1 of Habakkuk that said, I don't know why you're not listening to me, God. I don't know why you're abusing the the people of Israel. I don't know you're putting out judgment on them with even worse people. But at the end, he says, hey, if there's no fruit on the tree, hey, if there's no sheep in the stalls, if there's no corn in the crib, yet will I rejoice in your name. We need some people in the church that will say, yet I will praise you, my God. Is there somebody here tonight that wants to carry on the torch of the birth of their church that says, yet I will praise him. Yet I will praise him. Yet I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Hallelujah, my Jesus. Sometimes our fears get in the way. And we try to beat the doubting soul into believing sometimes. I said it earlier. Why don't you, why, why are you doubting? But let me tell you, take comfort in the fact that Thomas wrestled with the idea of Jesus. He did, didn't he? We need to look at these people who doubted. Habakkuk, Abraham, Thomas. These are men who did mighty things for the Lord, but they doubted at the time. So when we have a loved one who's going through a spiritual struggle, Instead of reaching across the table and slapping them and saying, wake up. Maybe we can just share some love with them and say, hey, listen, Thomas doubted. Listen, Abraham had some doubt and they made mistakes. Do you want to learn things the hard way in your walk with God? I'm here for you whenever you want to talk and listen. You know, you as a, as a little Jesus, I'm going to say this over and over again for a while until you get it. You as a little Jesus can be that love in somebody's life that they need. That ear that they need to just have listened to some of them. You've heard that phrase that you got two ears and one mouth, use them in proportion. Somebody said amen. And all the teachers in the room said, I wish, right? I wish I'd have to talk that much. But listen, take comfort in the fact that people like Thomas doubted the idea that Jesus was risen from the dead. And yet Jesus personally revealed himself to Thomas. He personally revealed himself to him. You can get that personal revelation. When you have that doubt and you go to your God, he will reveal himself to you. I promise you that. He will make himself known to you. In John chapter 20, verse 26 this is, a, this is Thomas right here. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. 
the same Jesus that knew he was being told, the, the same Jesus that knew Thomas was doubting, the same Jesus that knew there was some doubt happening, he came to him, some versions say, through a locked door, Jesus popped in the room. That'd make me say I believe. That'd make me say I believe, amen? Jesus comes through a locked door and says, hey, Thomas, peace be unto you. He didn't walk up to him and say, come on, Tom. I've been with you for how many years and you didn't know I was the God Almighty, the Son of, the, 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 the son of Man? He didn't slap him and say, hey, is that real enough for you? He said, peace be unto you. Hallelujah. Peace be unto you. Amen. Let me get back to my notes. Hallelujah. It is perfectly acceptable for someone to spend days with his or her Bible open wrestling with God. Hey, wrestling with God is, is going to be okay. As long as you do it with God. Uh, my, my wife and I, we, I, we included my mom, we, we watched this new uh, show through this thing called VidAngel called The Chosen. And there's this, there's this one episode that deals with just Peter. And Peter's the guy who sticks his foot in his mouth all the time. And he gets himself into a terrible deal of trouble. And he's just sitting on the boat his last day as a free man because he's got to make a lot of money to pay some debts. That's what the episode was all about. It's not all Bible, but he's sitting there saying to himself, come on, God, you're the, you're the God that you, you made us the chosen people. You, what'd you do? You got us out of Egypt only to get thrown back into Babylon? And you got us out of Babylon just to get us back into Rome? Where are you? But you know, the moment Peter had a miracle and had Jesus touch his life, that man was sold out for Jesus. That man was sold out for him. And he had his doubts, doubting, doubting Peter. But we don't call him doubting Peter. We just call poor Thomas the doubting Thomas, don't we? If you go through each and every single disciple, you're going to find a doubter at one point. But that doubt, when you wrestle with God, and you wrestle with him, Isaiah 1 verse 18 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. You've got an invite. Hey, if you're wrestling with your faith, you're wrestling, I'm going to extend this. Who here sometimes wrestles with what, their will, what the will of God is in their life? Who here's run away from the will of God in their life sometimes? Hey, you have an open invitation. Write it down, Isaiah 118. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Come wrestle with me for a little bit. See this altar right here? Grab a hold of the horns of this altar and just wrestle with your God tonight. Just wrestle out that doubt. Wrestle out that fear. And just let the peace of God take us over. Amen? Be merciful unto these people that doubt. The message version of Jude 22, we've said, it says, go easy on those who hesitate in the faith. This means to show kindness and concern, not condemnation. When John the Baptist, oh, you just hear lots of cool names, don't you? Every person we're talking about tonight is just the cool person on the block, right? John the Baptist. The, this, is, this is a cool guy right here. He, he, wore, he wore robes of camel hair. Can't get those just anywhere. That's some specialty items right there. Special, cool, we could call it a paleo diet 
of bugs and honey? Not just any bog, okay? Locust. It's probably a nice, juicy meal. I mean, that's the cutting edge right there of, of, of what you're supposed to be eating, right? That's the cutting edge. If there was a Facebook, I bet you anything, John the Baptist would have a page dedicated to the locust diet. Ten ways to cure your hunger. Anyways, um, John the Baptist, sitting in prison, he expressed doubt. This is the man that said, saw the Messiah and said, Behold the Lamb of God. This is the guy who danced in mama's belly when he felt the presence of his cousin. This is the same guy who just, I think, is this the guy that had the Holy Ghost in the belly, didn't he? That's what the scripture says. He's the guy that had the Holy Ghost in the belly. I don't know how that works. You know, doctrinally, but it's in the Bible, so let the Lord sort that out for you, okay? But John the Baptist expressed those doubts and said, hey, hey, can you go ask Jesus if he's the guy? I just need to know. I'm sitting in jail. I'm, I'm kind of rotten in here. Can you just go ask him one more time and let me know what's going on? And did Jesus say, you silly fool, you've been how long with me? Did, he, did Jesus do that? Luke chapter 7, verse 22. Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. That's all. Just report to him what you have heard. Can you say testify? testify. Could you say testify to your brother who's doubting? Could you say testify to this brother who has a little bit of doubt? Share your own personal story with him. Bring him out of the muck and the mire that he's gotten himself into and help him wrestle that doubt with the Lord out of his life. Amen? So that we can keep this church alive. I'd say that John the Baptist was a pillar in the church before it got churched up and became a church, right? We could call that foundation, I suppose. Foundation, yes. We thought the word at the same time. Well, after when I was supposed to use it the first time. Oh, bless the Lord. Anyways, verse 22 of Jude is is helping us with, hey, what about those people who are doubting in the faith? Hey, help them out. Treat them mercifully, right? Treat them with grace, with love, with arms, with a loving hand. Get them back into the faith because doubt is going to be okay to have in their life as long as they wrestle it with God. And we're going to save some lives. We're going to be a lifesaver. You're going to be that life cyber that points them to Jesus again. Amen? How about those who take things the wrong way? Who's in that boat? Come on. Who's in that boat? Who's taken things the wrong way a few times? And let me tell you, this isn't the way to fix. Don't take the wrong things, you know, four times so you're back where you're headed, okay? This is the, the three left turn things or the four right turns and you're back where you started from. No, no, four wrongs don't get you back in the right same direction, okay? But listen, uh, Jude chapter 23, chapter, Jude verse 23. I wrote down, I just wrote down Jude 23. There's no colon, so I, instinct took over, chapter 23 of Jude. In the message it says, go after those who take the wrong way. Go after them. Go get them. Hey, Christian, sick them. Go get them. They're going the wrong way. Go get them. Go get them, boy. 
<clears throat> Another version says, snatch them from the fire and save them. Snatch them from the fire and save them. It sounds like this is a, this requires some quick action, doesn't it? There's some people that you know and you love that require some rapid action. Some intervention, if you will. Amen? Jude said to save them by snatching them from the fire. That word means to take something by force. And that can be translated as an attack. There's some people that are getting attacks. Spiritual attacks, amen? And the weapons we use are not bombs and guns, are they? Come on, worship is the way the battle is won, church, amen? That's why when the worship service is going, you need to be involved, amen? Active, ready to worship God, because you need to snatch some souls. You need to be ready to snatch some souls out of that fire. Jude was saying that these people were in danger of hellfire. We need to save some with fear, pulling them out of the fire, snatching them right out. Further, he urged believers to charge right in and rescue the perishing. Lay it all on the line. Give it all for the cause of Christ. Amen? Hey, this whole church thing, it's a rescue factory. It's a rescue factory. There's going to be all sorts of people that are coming in here. People with emotional trauma. People with physical trauma. People that don't know where their rent's coming from. People that they're just hungering after love and affection. Jesus has got that. Hallelujah. And we as the church, I, I get convicted sometimes. when I, I'm, I'm reminded of that verse that says, hey, you're not doing enough. You just say, hey, be warm. Hey, be clothed. I'm, I'm, gonna pr- I'm praying for you. We should pray for people, shouldn't we? It's also okay to get involved and, and snatch them out of that fire. Amen. <clears throat> um, on May 26th, 2002, Memorial Day weekend, there was a barge pilot that passed out, and he hit a bridge span on I-40 over the Arkansas River. This accident dropped a 600-foot span of the bridge, 62 feet down into a river. Not the best thing to happen. 11 people and a trailer full of show horses died as their cars and their 18-wheelers drove over the edge of the missing span. Because when you're going pretty fast, a missing piece of road's hard to stop. But there were several fishermen on the river in a bass competition of all things, which saw the bridge collapse Realizing that the cars and trucks were still coming, one of the fishermen below the bridge reached into his boat's emergency kit for the emergency flare, and whipping the flare up into the firing position, the fisherman let the missile fly. Up, up, and over the edge of the last standing bridge span, that one flare miraculously hit the windshield of the next 18-wheeler that was speeding down the highway at 70 miles an hour. The shocked driver, I would be too, slammed on his brakes and his front tires slid over the edge of the highway that was missing. But he was able to put the truck in reverse and get off and go back and stop people from continuing to go off the bridge. Hallelujah. Amen. Can you say a miracle? A miracle. 
That's something that's miraculous right there. Another boat of fishermen saw a man under his wheels back up onto the bridge, warning the other, oh, sorry, uh, saw under a damaged barge who was holding on for dear life. He got a flotation device from his boat, and he went and saved a life. There are some cases, church, where quick action is required. Quick action. You've got to go into that, that Bible and grab that verse that you've been thinking of for the past week because you've been praying, because you've been hoping for some door of opportunity to open up. And you pull that out and you rescue somebody from the depths. You rescue somebody. Just like that, fight, that fisherman, he didn't know what he was aiming at. He was just shooting that flare up. And sometimes you just got to open up your mouth because you've been praying. And spit out the thing that needs to be spit out, spiritually speaking. Spiritually speaking. Words, not spit, okay? And hope that God guides that missile to hit what it needs to hit so it saves that life, amen? And we need to be spiritually discerning. We can't just tell everybody, hey, listen, you keep acting like this, you're going to hell. Not going to work all the time, is it? You'll know if God wants you to say something like that, let me tell you. You'll know. But you know what? We've got to be spiritually connected to be able to do things like that. And I'm I'm relating things to this action. We need a quick, one man's quick action saved the lives of many people. Because he was sensitive to the fact of what was going on. He knew and he was prepared. If that man didn't have an emergency kit with a flare gun of all things in it, there'd be more lives that were lost. If I'm not prayed up in the morning before a thing happens, before a soul pours its, its heart out to me, I might not be able to respond the correct way. And that soul's going to drive right off the bridge into the river. Come on, we need to have a hunger for saving souls, for rescuing lives. Come on, somebody with me. The observation and quick action of these fishermen helped people from going under. The Corinthian church was permeated with sin as well. Paul knew that if souls were going to be saved in the Corinthian church, quick action was required. 1 Corinthians 4, 18 through 21 tells some of the stuff that was happening. Now some were puffed up, as though I would not come to you. But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and will know, not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What will ye? Shall I come unto you with a rod? or in love, and in the spirit of meekness. Paul knew he needed to get to that church. And he knew he needed to get there in whatever way he could and to save a soul with whatever quick action he could. Amen? Amen. There's this thing in, 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 in life rescue called the golden hour. Is it, you heard of this, Sister Bebout? Um, the golden hour is a special period of time. It could be an hour, it could be minutes. It's an emergency medicine. If in mer- oh, I'm sorry. It is the period of time following a traumatic injury that's going to save a life. That if you don't get something done in that golden time span, that life's going to be lost. And it's going to be over. EMS responders have been trained to come to the rescue of a dying patient in that golden hour so that that life can make it. 
There's a poem that somebody made dedicated to an emergency response, and I want to say it to us, and when you hear these things, I want you to think about your life as an emergency response person. Sorry if you woke up in the middle of the night, but someone in your neighborhood is fighting for your life. Sorry if we block the road and make you turn around, but there's been a bad wreck on the ground. When you see us coming, I hope you'll understand. Let us have the right of way. Someone needs our helping hand. Sometimes a child is choking or even a broken leg. Sometimes a heart stops beating, and when we get there, it's, it's, it's too late. You know, as an emergency response person, you get everything. We don't do it for the glory, but for the life that might be saved. Somewhere deep within us, our souls are crying out. We're able to help your, our neighbors in their hour of pain and doubt. God gave us something special to help. God gave us something special to help us see you through. We do it because we love you and we care about you too. I missed a part here, but so if you see us crying when we think we are alone, you'll know we had a bad one and we're feeling mighty down. We don't do it for the money or to get paid. We do it for the life that can be saved. We can do all those same things to souls. All those same things for souls. Excuse me, I might say things that offend you sometimes, and it's not what I mean to do. I mean to save your soul. Excuse me if I embarrass you during food time when I pray over my food. Amen? Something simple. Excuse me if I embarrass you because I prayed for you in the Walmart, but your soul was in need. Amen? Excuse me if, if, I'm, if, if I disrupt the plan, but there's some souls that need to be saved. Amen? Proverbs 27.6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted. That doesn't mean a friend inflicting wounds on somebody purposefully. That means sometimes when we're trying to save a life, and that friend is the one that we feel hurt from a friend, that friend is doing things because they love us. Proverbs is telling us that sometimes a friend is going to speak truth into our life. In fact, a friend is going to speak truth into your life. A friend is going to tell you, hey, listen, you need to stop. You need to stop. You need to pay attention when the preacher's talking. You know what I mean? Your, your friend is going to say, hey, you, you need to stop hanging out with those people. They're not helping you spiritually. A friend is going to say, hey, have you talked to the Lord about this relationship you want to get into? And now, not, and that might hurt you for a bit, but you know what? Friend, a wounds of a friend can be trusted. They can be trusted. How good is a timely word in its proper season? Amen. The last thing we got to talk about is being tender with sinners, but not soft on sin. We need to show mercy that's mixed with fear. We must realize that the lost people, they're not stupid, okay? They might make some stupid decisions, but that doesn't make them stupid. When you get lost, typically it's, it's an accident. You don't intend to go get lost. You just happen to end up somewhere and you're like, that road doesn't look familiar. That place is unfamiliar. 
Jude's overriding concern for the saints was that they not drift away from the faith, yet he wanted them to understand how to approach one who was lost, who was drifting away from the, the church. We need to develop a mind for Christ, amen? Be tender with sinners, but soft on sin is what Jude said in the, in the message version. It said that. Be tender with sinners, but soft on sin. Sin stinketh itself to high heaven. You're going to have to hold your nose sometimes. Literally sometimes. But spiritually, you're going to have to hold your nose when you go help a sinner. Because you're tender with them. You're loving with them. You're bringing them out of a place. Somebody said amen. They are separated from God. And because of that, they might not hear the voice of God because they're not tuned in. But they're going to hear the voice of a friend. They're going to hear the voice of somebody who loves and cares on them. Amen? And you know what? You are the voice of God in a sinner's life. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that just like this, you are the voice of God in a sinner's life. And if you feel convicted because I said that, good. You need to feel that conviction because you are the voice of God. I want to make sure that my voice matches God's. I don't want to be off God's will when I speak to a sinner. Amen? Amen? Develop the mind of Christ in soul winning and soul saving. It is imperative that we believe and we have and we develop the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. I'm probably getting a little repetitive over the last few times I've been preaching here, but listen, the Bible repeats itself quite a bit at times. Usually so you hear it the second time or the third time or the fifth time or the tenth time, amen? If you, are te- if you teach somebody anything, you realize you've got to say it a few times. I've taught a lesson, and Sister Bebot, I have banged my head against the, the whiteboard and said, I said this ten times yesterday. And I said it ten times the day before that. What's going on here? Oh, my goodness. I need a prayer session, people. You can talk to the, the principal about that some other time. I'm sorry, but I need to pray a little bit. Um, Paul said when he approached the, the Corinthians church, the it had become arrogant about their sinning, and Paul challenged them on that. In 1 Corinthians 2.16, Paul said, but we have the mind of Christ. He told the Corinthians church, we've got the mind of Christ. And if we go to the very next chapter, chapter 3, verse 1, he says, brothers, I could not address you as, a spirit, as, as spiritual, but as worldly. Mere infants in Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. This is the King James up here, but I was reading a different version. Listen, Paul realized, guys, I got to speak to you a little plain because you have some sin in your life. You are running headlong into sin, and we've got to fix a few issues, son. Spiritual son. Brothers, I could not address you as a spiritual, but as worldly. Go back to verse 1, Brother Calvin. In the King James, it says it like this. I have, no, go to verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as babes in Christ. 
when we are saving souls, we need to be sensitive to the fact that they might not be ready for a spiritual lesson right now. They might need some good carnal sense. Amen? There's a bridge. We've got to get over a bridge. We've got to bridge people from carnal over to spiritual. And where are they going to start? In the carnal, people. Hey, you were once there. Such were some of you, amen? Such were some of me. I was over in carnal land wondering how in the world, what is the preacher talking about? I just need to, I just need to make it through tonight so I can get to, to school tomorrow. But you know what? God has changed me. God has changed me, and God's going to use you to change some people as well. Sometimes lost people are content to be lost, but instead of being angry at them, instead of regarding them as a lost cause, we should feel a compassionate brokenness, church. A compassionate brokenness. Yeah, some people are going to just sit in sin and love it, but they're not going to actually love it. Because you as a child of God know that they're, they're not loving it. And your heart should ache at that. Don't get angry at that sinner. Don't get angry at them. We've got to be able to do that. We must develop through prayer, prayer and meditation a mind of Christ. Amen. Go back. How did Jesus deal with the sinners? Because he dealt with them daily, didn't he? He had dinner with them daily. He had meetings with them daily, didn't he? He saw them in their brokenness, in their hurt, and he saw hunger for things that were spiritual, for something, for a need in their life. Matthew 9, 36-38, Jesus was saying, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion because they fainted, because they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto the disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. How many times have, have we quoted this right here? Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. I say it all the time. I want to say it all the time. I want to start to believe it more and more every single day. But listen, the context here. Verse 36, But when he saw multitudes... He had compassion on them. Why? Because they fainted, because they were scattered, because they had no shepherd. How many people do you know in this world in a broken home with no father, with no mother, with, if you talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, they would say that nobody loves me, that nobody cares for me, that nobody cares how many times do you hear that daily? Why is depression going up and up and up and up in this world? Because they think nobody cares. But listen, Jesus' response to that wasn't, why in the world is this sick and terrible world going, going crazy? His response was, I've got compassion. I want to meet them. In fact, it's time to pray for laborers because look at this harvest. He didn't see a soul that was rotten in the, in the corner or rotten in sin. He saw a soul that was hungry because they didn't have a leader. They didn't have that connection. We've got to be tender with these sinners. 
We must never get so far from the cross that we forget who we once were. Amen? Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1 through 2. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in these things pertaining to God, that he may both offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. Verse 2, who can have compassion on the ignorant. Amen. Who, and on them that are out of the way. Out of the way. Can we say that we go out of our way? Come on, I want you to ask yourself. Can you say you get out of your way to meet somebody? Hallelujah. For that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. God help me to never forget. To never forget. Amen. I'm almost done here, so if the musicians want to start coming, they can. If we look at the scriptures, in only six cases out of 40 did sufferers find the way to Jesus without assistance from other people. That should tell us something. I want you to look at your hands right now. That hand needs to lead somebody to Christ. That hand has got to grab a hold of somebody and in some cases pull them out of the fires of hell, like Jude said. And in some cases, that hand needs to wrap around somebody with love because they're, they're struggling with doubt. And in other cases, that hand needs to be tender and loving. Amen? Some are going to need us to simply stand by and listen to them. Stand by as a person that says, hey, I'm with you, as you wrestle with the questions that are going on in your mind, with the doubts that are going through your minister, with your hands, with your relationship with God. That's what we're going to be sometimes. Some will need to take quick action on our part to keep them from falling over the precipice, falling over the cliff, falling over the bridge, or charging headlong into hell. And there's an entire harvest field for us for those who don't yet even know about him. We sang a song tonight, Victory. I know the name of victory. What was it? I know the name of the word. What was it? Jesus. We know the name, don't we? We've got the answer. There's a harvest ready for us, church. They need somebody patient and compassion to lead them out of darkness. There was a missionary that went to one of China, in China one time. He was a physician. And he cured a man of his cataracts. And because of that, that man could see. A few weeks later, 48 blind men came to the doctor from one of China's wilds, all holding on to a rope guided by that man who was healed by that doctor, who got cured. He had led them all this way, walking in a chain 250 miles all the way to that hospital. Someone who had been blind but gained their sight went back to the others who were still blind and convinced them, hey, I know a man. Anybody know a man tonight? Anybody know a man named Jesus? Anybody ready to lead people towards their Jesus tonight? 
to go out into the workplace, to go out into the world that they live in and lead some people to a man that healed you of your blindness. Can we all stand and make our way towards the altar? Much of our world gropes in darkness like these blind men in China that I just talked about. Come on, let's pray. God, grant me the spiritual sensitivity to be able to lead these people out of darkness and into your marvelous light, Lord. As Christians with the message of salvation, we can get so wrapped up in our own little world, in our own little party, that we forget souls are drowning in sin all around us. Now before you begin to pray, I got one more story for you. There was a party around a pool one time to celebrate the first summer in memory that these lifeguards in New Orleans had with no drownings on their watch. And they were celebrating the fact that there was no drownings. Hallelujah, amen. In honor of the occasion, there was 200 people gathered around, including 100 certified lifeguards, people. And as the party began to break up and the four lifeguards on duty began to clear the pool, they realized something. There was a fully dressed body in the deep end of the pool. And they tried to revive Jerome, who was 31 years old. But it was too late. Listen to this. This young man drowned in a pool surrounded by lifeguards who were celebrating their success of the season. God help us to be aware of the sin that is around us. God help us to be a lifeguard that's on duty. A lifeguard that's not celebrating our success as much as it is reaching out into a world that's drowning in sin. Come on, go ahead and grab a hold of the horns of 